Hello, everyone. This is Ron with Workshop. I'm joined once again by Carlos Marino. How are you, Carlos? Good. Good to be back with you. Well, did I just sound like a uh, <laughs> an accent there? But no, good to be back with you, Brian. No, no, no. You sounded you sound fine. So we're your podcast resource for successfully working with your dog. We'll help you sift through all the wrong and ridiculous information out there. We'll help you understand dogs and how to effectively work with a dog's nature, not against it. In short, we'll teach you how to speak dogs. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. Today's topic is about evaluating a dog. So we're going to talk about this. I think it's outdated now or not no longer used. A safer evaluation test, S period A, period F, period E, period R, period, whatever the acronym is for. Uh, we're going to talk about um, uh, Dr. Stephen Lindsay, a really smart guy who's written a lot of books, but maybe has overwritten them. We're going to talk yeah. about uh, how we evaluate dogs, and we're also going to talk about a couple of uh, uh, case studies, specifically this German Shepherd named Diesel that, uh, that you and Mike and I worked with um, years ago. So where do you want to yeah. start? Well, the whole thing here is, is, it seems to me, is evaluation, right? And so I think there's a lot of people that mean well and they want to write a lot of good stuff, but I, I question the effectiveness of it because when you start reading a whole bunch of stuff, I feel like the average person who is trying to do well for themselves and their relationship with their dogs will more, than, more often than not get confused, discouraged, overwhelmed, intimidated, because a lot of people writing the, uh, these um, uh, protocols, for example, uh, Emily Weiss here did this. I guess she did this. The safer. The, yeah. These are, all, these are all PhD high-level people, and they seems to me that like their approach is, 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 is very, very, very thorough, very list-oriented, and I don't know that the average person can read through something like this and apply it right away. So Yeah, I, good point. Yeah, So, but it's basically about evaluation, um, our experiences, uh, with how we do them and what I look for. And Brian, you can you know, obviously we can compare notes and that sort of thing. But but let's start with evaluation because I know that's why you wanted to uh, to bring this up a little bit. So. Yeah, so the, the, the first thing that I'm finding all over the place, not just here and there, but every place and, you know, watching videos and, and checking out people's feeds on, on podcasts and their, and their blogs and stuff, almost no one mentions the human component us in an evaluation. I, I can't remember the last time I read someone, some trainer, or behaviorist, or scientist, or PhD, or whatever, who says, okay, when you're evaluating a dog, make sure that you're in a good state of mind, that you're not in an emotional state, that you're feeling confident, that you're feeling calm. I haven't heard anyone mention that except for, you know, Cesar Milan. Um, and, and that's really, it's frustrating and it's disheartening because that's, that's where you should start. Before you go and evaluate a dog, you should check yourself and say, okay, am I in a good place here? Am I emotional? Am I distracted? Am I bothered by something right now? Because we are the a major component in a dog's environment. You know, whether we're training a dog or evaluating a dog or just laying around hanging out with our dogs, we're the the main source of what they're going to feed off of. And so if we're nervous, if we're anxious, if we've never done an evaluation before, if this is our first time doing it, or if we're, you know, agitated or angry or, or whatever it is, we're going to affect the dog. And chances are we're going to negatively affect that dog and likely it's not going to have a good outcome. So I think oftentimes dog evaluations, especially with so many shelters around the country, dog evaluations come up worse than they would with someone who's practiced and self-aware. Yeah, all good points for sure. But th so that a as a lay person, 
I'm thinking to myself, put myself in a position of, I want to help myself. Where would you start? Where would you recommend people start, especially if they're relatively new to owning a dog? Everybody knows that uh, if they like a dog, if they like a dog breed, and they're impulsive and they can't control their impulses, they're just going to say yes, and and that'll be the uh, the end of it. But if you're smart and you have a little bit of impulse control and you want to be smart about it, how do you start? How would you say you start? We know what's out there and what's what may be confusing but what where would you start Brian that's a, that's a really interesting question cuz i was i was thinking i was focusing mainly on evaluation of shelter dogs you know a a rescue group or a, or an animal shelter per, or a professional group evaluating a dog should it be brought into into rescue cuz i've been doing a lot of that lately yeah. on, uh, on on facebook and with the groups that i'm working with but i think your your question brings up a whole other side is as an individual how do you evaluate a dog to know whether it's going to be a good match for you or not. And the first thing comes to mind and um, you know, some people may not be comfortable with this and some people may, uh, may take offense to a comment comment like this coming from coming from anyone. But my first thought is, well, do you know yourself? Are you, like you said, Carlos, are you self-aware? Cause if you're not, you're going to luck out if you get a good dog, but chances are you're going to pick a dog because you're in an emotional state. Oh, he looks just like sweet Smokey that I yep. had when I was a kid or, yep. Oh, this poor dog, he was hit by a car and his legs broken and he really needs me. And so when we approach a dog with emotion rather than intellect and, and, and being centered and self-awareness about, about ourselves and our, our environment, chances are, you know, we're going to be lucky if we get a, if we get a good dog, if we pick the right dog for us. So I would say self-awareness is, is the first and most important thing in, uh, in evaluating a dog. So in the rescue sense, uh, or in, in, uh, like you were talking about, is it fair to say that, that they do an evaluation and then you should also do an evaluation after they do an evaluation? Or do you think, Oh yeah, of course. We could kind of just trust what they're doing. Do we ask what 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 do we ask them to know what kind of evaluations they do? You know, is it is it is it as simple as having a list and say, okay, not food aggressive, not child aggressive, and you can and it, the dog can be touched and check marked. Right. We're good to go. You know. Well, I'm not I'm not a fan of and I really like that question. I'm not a fan of lists because it just it you know you got to have this thing either memorized in your head or you got to have paper on you and and that's yeah. just not me anymore. It feels too much like school, I guess. Um, but that's actually a fine approach is to ask questions of the foster parent or the rescue group or whoever knows the dog best or who do, whoever did the evaluation to to see not not only what their responses are, but how they respond. And to me, the, the analogy is it's like reading an ad for uh, a real estate ad for a home is if someone, you know, if you read, Oh, this is a great fixer upper, that means the house needs work. Okay. So yeah. you, you, you read, um, you know, plenty of sunlight. That means that lots of windows, therefore you're going to have a high, um, uh, air conditioning bill in the summertime because there's a, there's a lot of a uh, lot of sunlight coming in. So you need to be able to know how to interpret what's written or what's said about this dog. So you know, they, oftentimes rescues will write, um, you know, he's uh, he needs he needs to be with this dog needs to be with kids that are seven or older. That means that he's not good with small kids. And right. so so ask about that to say, well. Did he snap at a kid or does he ignore them or does he run away from them or he doesn't want the, the energy of kids? Um, you know, so, so again, you kind of have to do some, some due diligence and, and know what types of questions to ask and also get a sense of 
well, this person answered the question, but they answered it this way. And I wasn't confident in how they answered it, or I wouldn't, wasn't sure that what they were trying to tell me was actually something different, but maybe there's some protocols that they can't be so obvious about an answer. Well, you know, he didn't, uh, he's not great with kids. Someone says something like that. You're probably thinking, okay, he's not good at all with kids, but they're just not going to tell me that because their job is, is to save dogs. And part of that is getting dogs adopted out. So maybe they'll, they'll, you know, be a little fuzzy on, on some of the information there. So I'd, I'd say asking questions, but then also realizing how to interpret people's answers based on, you know, body language and, and tone and, and, voice inflection, that, that sort of thing. So I know that's a, that's a long winded and a more psychological answer than what most people would be interested in. But I found that that's really, really helpful. But either way, you want to assess the dog yourself, number one, to see if he's going to be a fit for you, but number two, to check, to double check on the assessment that was given him and, and, you know, confirm or deny the information that you've been given by someone else. Yeah, absolutely. I, I always liken it to, uh, you know, evaluating a dog and seeing if you're right, it's a right if if it's a right fit is like trying on underwear for the first time. You know, you, you got to really know what you're doing, and you'll have some experience. But but all joking aside, you'll know if something doesn't feel right, right? Because right. you have to be pretty intimate. And I'll do some of this stuff, and people will say it looks weird. But but if I had a list, I I would be completely thrown off. I'd be distracted. I'm like, this doesn't feel comfortable. Uh, my brain is in a more cerebral place. I'm not really using my my gut and my heart and my intuition. Right. So so these things aren't written about, and I joke and stuff like that. But it is true. I'll get down on their level, and I'll try to get a sense for what they're putting out, the fear level, right? Uh, the, in, the, the insecurities. Yeah, the, <laughs> the insecurity, the excitement level, um, the. Uh, well, any, any physical tension in the dog's body. Cause you and I are yeah. very hands-on when we're, when right. we're a dog. Yeah. Same thing. I mean, if you're driving a car and maybe you drive a car and you're scared, <clears throat> well, fine. You want to be safe. I understand. But let's say you want to take it to the next level and be really good at driving a car, be a good defensive driver. You really have to know what's going on in, in that car to see if it fits you well. The mirrors, are they set up properly? Is the seat? adjusted properly is there vibration in the steering wheel or the yeah, brake pedal everything have you tested the brakes to see if how you know how, how well the car responds in in the case of emergency how well it accelerates if you need to pick up uh, speed anyway i myself just before i even became a dog person was very picky about these sorts of things right whether it was a car whether it was clothes uh going to a certain school going to a certain program right i want to make sure i know the ins and outs so i guess it kind of naturally came in into place for me when I started evaluating dogs. I mean, watching mm-hmm. Caesar Milan helped a lot, you know, but hands-on is something that you don't see a lot of here. And I wonder, Brian, if you can answer this question, is it because people are fearful themselves and they don't want to maybe be liable or maybe they themselves aren't hands-on so they can't teach other people to be hands-on and they don't want to get bitten so they don't want other people to get bitten? What, what, what line do we say, okay, you're too fearful you're not effective anymore and trying to help somebody. Because I, I, I will add this and I'll let you answer real quick, Brian, because I was sure. thinking about this before the, uh, before the podcast session. If you sign up to be, for example, emergency medical service, uh, firefighter, EMT, police officer, you have to take an oath and put yourself in a little bit of harm's way or a lot. Mm-hmm. 
And that happens before you even go into the training and all this sort of things because it's understood that if you have fear, you're not going to be effective. Having a dog is is not like having a cat. It's an advanced pet in the sense that it can do damage, right? So we want to we want to be able to put ourselves in that position where we're like, you know what? It's a canine animal, which means it has the ability to bite and do some damage potentially if we don't know what we're doing. We have to put ourselves in a situation like a firefighter or a police officer says, I'm willing to take some risk to get to where I need to be to get the job done. Hopefully, you're not putting yourself in a lot of risk all the time, but in the beginning, there needs to be some contract with yourself. And I think that'll, in my opinion anyway, Brian, you can chime in here, that'll avoid a lot of these these lists that people make that seem to be very hands-off. Wow, that's a that's an incredible point. I never thought about it that way. Is is acknowledging that there is risk involved, and you and you are willing to take on that that risk. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know that's something that I'm gonna I'm gonna start mentioning to uh, to the groups that I that I work with. The problem there, off the bat, that I can see is that's going to eliminate. X number of people, probably a lot of people if you and I were doing it, um, which means fewer people helping out, which means fewer dogs getting into foster homes, fewer dogs getting, you know, getting help immediately, therefore fewer dogs saved. And so no one's going to going to be on board with that. But, you know, maybe over time, if we could get something like that off the ground where we're helping to, to train train volunteers, you know, not just, not just employees, but to help train volunteers and, and help weed out the ones that aren't ready to be, to be this, this level of, of confident and competent when working with dogs. Um, so that, you know, the rescue is, is getting better as a whole, as it goes along and bringing on more capable people, um, day after day and week after week. So yeah, that's a, that's something I'll, I'll definitely, um, Definitely put the word out and about it. I wanted it. to, a, yeah, it's a, it's a loaded for sure. Just something I was thinking about. Yeah, but yeah. I wanted to bring up something that you told me about this safer uh, protocol. Didn't you say it was approved and then all of a sudden it was not? Yeah, I had read something about this not uh, not too long ago, actually, where safer was you know widely used by shelters and SPCAs across the country for a number of years. It looked like, and then a few or several years ago, they just pulled it because it wasn't accurate because too many dogs were being, uh, you know, passed, or I should say too many dogs were being assessed incorrectly, either passed gotcha. and shouldn't have been or not passed and they, and they should have been. But I think, I think the, the reason this came to, came to light was, I believe it was, it was because too many of one breed and it may have been pit bulls or it may not have been, were passing the evaluation and then turning around and doing damage to people after they had, uh, after they had been, been adopted out. Um, so I think that's the reason why it was stopped. And I don't know if it was ever in the, um, you know, on the, on the major networks or anything like that, but the safer test, I mean, I, I hate to be mean like this, but the safer test is a joke. And clearly it was created by someone who would not have signed paperwork to say, I am, you know, I am signing this to say that I will risk my life, that I will risk, you know, whatever I know there is an inherent um, uh, risk in working with dogs. And I'm willing to put my fears and insecurities aside in order to do this. This woman, what's her name? Dr. Weiss. And she's got a PhD. I saw one of her videos years ago and it just, you know, it, it re, I really was shaking my head at it. She's narrating the video. She's talking to the camera. And it's a very, very well done video. But she's sitting in a chair and she's 
slightly hunched over, so insecure body language, and she has her hair combed in a way, and she's got, you know, nice, nice dark brown hair. She's got it combed in a way where it comes down along the sides of her head and curls yeah. underneath her chin a little bit, and then her bangs come down really far. So, so basically, her hair is a helmet. It's a protective screen from the world. Bring a psychologist on, and I'd love to hear their take on this, but that's what I see, is an insecure woman talking about at least when she made this video talking about how to handle dogs i don't want to be taught how to handle dogs or evaluate dogs by someone who's insecure that's the exact opposite of the of the type of person type of energy that that should be teaching anyone when working with a you know an animal who has teeth and can do damage so that was that was the first thing i noticed years ago and and so the whole safer evaluation and they've got very professionally done worksheets about yeah know, item item one look you know how does the dog look and item two the dog's sensitivity to touch and item three do you can you touch the dog with your hand, play tag with it, right. and then going on to squeeze and food behavior and, you know, toy behavior and dog to dog behavior and all this stuff that is so clinical. You have to have two people to do the safer evaluation because one person is handling the dog and calling out what she sees. And the other person across the room is sitting in a chair with a lab coat on and a pencil protector or pocket protector <laughs> or whatever, right. and has a clipboard and is filling out these boxes. And it becomes exactly the opposite of what a dog is. It becomes so cerebral and so clinical instead of what, what you mentioned a few minutes ago is it's not intuitive which is how dogs are. It's not, this is what I feel in the moment and I'm going to go with this. This is what I'm seeing in the moment. I'm going to go with this rather than write all these things down, plug them into a computer. And then you get this, you get this output and then the output tells you what to do developed by insecure people to begin with. So this, this, this whole thing, you know, it just drives me crazy. It's frustrating because it's, it's the blind leading the blind and these yeah. people should not be teaching this sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to add, let's see. Whenever I am presented with material like that, that like you said, is just obviously um, not intuitive. I always go back to the Dr. Stephen Lindsay book. Now, it's a big book. Um, he's also a PhD guy. He's got a book called Applied Dog Behavior and Training. This is volume three, Procedures, yeah. and, procedures and Protocol. There's that word again. Ton uh, of information in these books. Well, I will say this. Uh, this guy is very thorough. If you want to learn everything and anything about dogs, it's in here. But what's nice is um, when he talks about canine domestic aggression or evaluation, he does a really good job of explaining himself. I mean, just ad nauseum. So if you ever feel like you are the type of person that learns best by reading, some of us are visual learners. I am for sure. Uh, some of us like reading. Uh, some of us like, uh, what's the other, I'm not sure what the other style of learning is, but if you're a <clears throat> literary, well, words, reading, reading, watching, or doing are the three that come to mind. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So then Dr. Stephen Lindsay's book is very good because it will get to the bottom of, of what a lot of these other people I think borrow from when they make these, um, short lists. Okay. He'll go into, uh, for example here, um, assessing and treating what he calls canine domestic aggression by going into everything uh appetite um isolation uh even aggression with therapy dogs um if that happens i'm not sure counter conditioning time out <clears throat> response prevention response prevention excuse me 
And he even coined this term that I use, posture facilitated relaxation training right. as a form of punishment, which is a lot of hands on to promote a, a form of surrendering. So anyway, if you want to really read and feed that part of your brain and stimulate that part of your brain, I think this is actually a little bit better because it's way more thorough and it gives you a lot of background. And he, and he cites a lot of scientific research, a lot of his own research. Um, and then you can make um, make a, make a decision for yourself and decide if that's really going to help you or not. I think with these shorthander shorthand uh, assessment worksheet PDFs like the Safer, I think they're so brief. Sometimes, even though they can be confusing, there's a lot um, uh, left out. Left out, and so you're just left with like one sided, maybe positive reinforcement only style training, and you're like, man, there's no consequence here. Uh, like you said earlier in the podcast, there's no uh, individual assessment about yourself. Right. And so you're just kind of left with that, like, well, uh, what do I do? I guess I follow this. And then it takes you away from that intuitive sense. Not to say Dr. Stephen Lindsay will make you intuitive, but if you do ever find yourself wanting to get into uh, the, uh, what do you call it, the weeds, this this guy here uh, um, will, will give you everything you need. And then you can pull from that what you want. But at least you'll get a better sense of, of where the science is and where the studies are instead of like a one, two, three, four worksheet, step one, two, three, four, five, you're good to go, you know? So, yeah, he gives a ton of information in there. And what do you would say? He's got three volumes and I only have one of them. Um, but you know, for, for some people, and I'm one of these people, it's way too cerebral. It's way yeah. too, uh, yeah. uh, you know, way too much verbal information, way too much text reading, whatever it is. Whereas I'd rather go to a dog park and just stand outside the dog park, the fence and watch dogs and learn from dog behavior. And then when, you know, when a years ago, when, when I was comfortable, then I'd, then I'd, you know, go in and, and work with a couple dogs and then challenge myself and work with a couple of more difficult dogs and, you know, yep. see if I can, I can, you know, manage or control a dog's behavior that, uh, of a dog that I, that I don't know. And that, that's what I recommend to people is, is to work your way up and let the dogs be your gauge on how well you're doing, you know, start just like everything else in life is start with something easy. And as you improve your confidence yep. builds, your, your competency improves, then you move on to something harder and just go on up and up. And, uh, you know, these, these people with the, all the letters behind their names from animal behavior college and, and yep. all these, all these people who have been judged and graded by other people on how good they are at dog behavior, that doesn't really impress me much. That doesn't say a whole lot. I'd rather be judged by dogs. So, you know, put me in with a single dog or, or a, you know, a couple yep. of dogs in their family or a group of dogs, you know, let the dogs grade me and watch how the dogs respond to me and judge me that way. And then decide for yourself. Yeah, this is a person. I, I believe he knows what he's talking about and I'm showing, I'm seeing the results here. And so I'm going to use this person or say, no, I don't like what he does, or I didn't like what I saw, rather than say, oh, wow, this person went to Animal Behavior College of such and such in, in Florida or wherever, and look at all the letters they have behind their names and all the groups that they've paid to have membership to, and isn't that impressive? No, that, that's human impressive. That's not dog impressive. Um, yeah. you know, so that's, that's part of what drives me crazy about, uh, about this stuff here. So and the, well, the good news is I was just going to add Brian, the good yeah, news yeah, is please. with technology and YouTube and being nice. able to upload, people are able to visually see the proof mm -hmm. of whether or not someone's good or not, they're effective or not, their, their bi language is, is what it should be or it's not. So, it, you know, that's the positive side. 
that anybody getting into this and wanting to learn, we have a lot of visual tools now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And one more thing I wanted to say on this, and I'm not going to mention her, uh, her name here. Um, uh, cause she contacted me on, uh, on, um, uh, Facebook recently. Um, I saw, saw a video that, that someone had, had put up, someone had, uh, you know, shared or whatever, and she had filmed two of her dogs and, and one older dog was just laying in the grass, chewing a stick. And then a pup, the, one of the puppies came up to it real slowly and cautiously and tried to grab the stick. And the older dog just kind of curled her lip a little bit and made it just a very soft light snap towards the puppy, not even making contact with the puppy. And the puppy immediately moved away about a foot and settled down and turned her head away and just laid down. And I thought it was a fantastic video on how dogs work with other dogs. And I thought, terrific. I'm going to go, you know, look into this, into this lady, into her website and, and her videos and everything and see, you know, does she practice what she, what she preaches here, you know, is, is, is letting dogs be dogs with them and watched a couple of her videos, you know, read, read her website and, you know, she does voice corrections and she's pretty decent with her body language, but she, I never saw her physically correct a dog that that needed physical correction. And so it's one of those people where she's better than a lot out there and she's better than most lay people. But when it comes down to it, she's not speaking dog entirely. If she's not willing to to be physical with a dog, not just in discipline, but also in in uh, in in roughhousing, which you yep. never see videos of from these from these trainers, Um Again, that's not someone that uh, that I want to learn from, and that's not someone that I can I can really fully recommend, except for except for the most novice of of people. So, you know, like we say at the at the beginning of our of our podcast, that you know we we help people sift through all the wrong and ridiculous information out there, and you know there's way too much of that. Yeah. So. Um, the last, the last thing before we go, because I yeah, know yeah, this is a, one of our longer podcasts, but we did want to mention because in the beginning you said diesel, so. Uh, did you want to touch on that real quick? Because that was a dog that was evaluated by by a rescue group, and that dog turned out to be very, very reactive and very aggressive in in the in the truest sense of the word. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I was just going to uh, move on to that. So Diesel okay, cool. was uh, was a German Shepherd, and he was gotten through Virginia German Shepherd Rescue, who I was I was you know big into years and years ago, big proponent of. Uh, since left them, I won't have anything to do with them now, given their given their current um, uh, policies. Uh, but Diesel was evaluated, brought into rescue, and a colleague of ours had was had agreed to foster the dog, and so he got the dog into his car. And I guess there weren't any issues, but then when he stopped to get gas, and then tried to get back in the car or tried to get the dog out for a walk or something. Then yeah, he, the tried dog, to, he couldn't, yeah, he couldn't get back in the car. Yeah. 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 He couldn't get back into his own car and the dog growled at him. And then he called me and he said, what do I do? <laughs> and, and I was like, well, I'm in Warrington here. You're in, you're in <laughs> Vienna. Let me see if I can get Carlos to come and, and help you out. And if not, then, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get the dog back to, back to my house. And so I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, and this is a long story for another time, but but the uh, the short the short version is this is like a kudo type dog. <laughs> is it, what's his name? Cujo. Cujo. Sorry. Yeah, kudo would be something else. That's a but Cujo. Uh, I mean, I it, it even scared me, and it's hard to scare me. You know what I mean? But but the, what I found was uh, the dog was very fear based, aggressive. He was in the yeah. back seat. He felt cornered, and Mike was just immediately. Um, uh, I think Mike was the uh, colleague at the time. Yeah. From, 
he just was like, I'm not having any of that. I don't want to get bit. And you know, we don't expect anybody to get bit. So I had to go drive up there and I took the dog out. My, my energy was a complete opposite. So there was right. a little bit of, there's a little bit of, uh, I'm trying to be humble here, but there was a lot of change from when I took him, <laughs> handled him, walked him. And uh, we were able to go and take a dog where it needed to, to, to go. But man, this was something, this was a dog that fell through the cracks for sure. And we don't know the background, but, but the dog ended up having to be, reassessed and luckily we found a person that was able to take him to do primarily uh dog guarding is it was it dog guarding or protection services oh holy cow diesel was one that went with um uh that that john guy oh i totally forgot about that yeah and even the guy from that that ended up evaluating him we signed him over even he told us weeks later months later that he that this dog was way more aggressive than he was than he was prepared for so so the evaluation oh. stuff doesn't always work, obviously, and people can be in harm's way. So you really have to be careful and use your gut instinct sometimes because like like we talked about with the safer stuff, sometimes being too cerebral can put you in harm's way. So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and let me let me just fill in some of the some of the gaps here for, for people who may not have been able to to follow this. So Diesel was he was de- he was definitely coming from a f- fearful place in the back of Mike's car, and so Mike instantly was like, "You know what? I don't think I want to handle this." So he went into a subservient, a submissive, a, an insecure posture himself. So he was no longer able to be effective with that dog. So Carlos goes on the scene, and like Carlos said, and he's a pretty humble guy generally. There's not much that scares Carlos. There's not much that that makes him makes him nervous. So. Carlos goes out there and totally different energy, totally different greeting with the dog, and therefore you get a different version of the of the dog. And this is why this ties into evaluating is you got to check yourself. You have to know yourself. You have to be confident and know, you know, be able to project, I'm in charge of you, dog. This is this is gonna go my way. Everything's gonna be cool, but you know, you need need to let me be in charge. And so Carlos takes takes control, gets the dog out of leash, no problem. And then, you know, we decide, you know what, it's best if, if this dog just, just stay with us for, for a bit. So Carlos brought the dog back to my house for a couple of nights or, or, or so. And I remember you worked with diesel. You had him sleep up in the, in the guest room with you that yeah. at least that first night. Yeah. Um, and one, and, and so Carlos was very hands-on with his dog and, and, you know, Carlos's skills with dogs are, 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 are above mine. And I'm, I'm, you know, happy to say that just, just, you know, knowing that uh, that uh, that Carlos is so good with dogs, and I really appreciate and, and respect what uh, what you can do. Um, and so, so Carlos kind of worked his magic on this on this dog. And one thing that I thought was so interesting is I was sitting in the backyard on the second day, I think, and Diesel came up to me after you know I was trying to get the leash on him and off him, and he was snapping, you know, trying to trying to get me to tell me to stay away from him. Um, so later on that day, I was sitting in the backyard in, in one of these low Adirondack chairs or something, and Morgan was maybe to my right or something. And so Diesel was walking towards me from the house off to my left, and he's walking straight towards me. He's not moving fast, but he has intention, like I'm going to go mess with this guy, or I'm going to go challenge this guy. And, you know, before I could, I could think of, of, you know, what kind of reaction I wanted to have, what kind of response I wanted to have. Morgan just casually walked around in front of me and stood between me and diesel. 
And, you know, he just, he just was the casual badass and diesel just yep. veered off and went the, went the other way. And so that's one of those times where I realized, wow, these dogs are always going to speak dog better than, better than we are. Cause Morgan just stepped in and used his intuition and said, you know what, you don't get to challenge anyone here. And he did all this without going to behavior college, without yep. letters behind his name, without a clipboard, without, you know, note takers, without any, yeah, without, like yeah, without treats, without any tools without any any notes or education he just did this because he's an animal he's a dog and that's what he did and it was one of the coolest memories i ever have of dogs yeah. in general but but specifically my my old guy morgan yeah for uh, sure we have a documentary about that as well if people wanted to check that out for yeah, sure that's, that's true but the, but the one thing too i take away from that is is they're in the moment these these animals and they're very decisive. I mean, right. and that's and that's one of the takeaways when people say, "Oh, how do you how to become a good evaluator?" Well, be in the moment and be very decisive, you know, yep. and be, and be hands on if you have to be, you know. So, so yeah, we can learn a lot for sure. And you know, just to touch on that real quick before we wrap it up here, I worked with um, uh, Carla and her staff at uh, uh, Country Club Kennels and training in 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 Bristersburg. Uh, off Bristersburg Road in Cantlip, Virginia. Really, really love this group. And Carla and her staff are are fantastic. You know, Marina and Michael and and Jim and and Alex and and Joanna and Matt and uh, I might be leaving someone out there, but but you guys really love working with you. So we were yesterday working with, <clears throat> excuse me, this little uh, this little this feisty little dachshund. He's like ten or eleven years old. He was returned yeah. for biting people. Long hair dachshund, right? Yeah, like a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. This this harmless little dude, and he trots along fine, and he gets along pretty well with other dogs generally. But when you go to pick him up. Okay, or when you go to to touch him on the back of the uh, back of the neck or on his back, he turns into Cujo and he's snapping uh-huh. and making contact, and he has no problem doing this with people. And so our whole session for nearly an hour and a half was okay. Let's push through this. And and Carla had, including herself, she had each one of her six or seven staff members there, you know, go ahead and push through, and they had big gloves on. And show this this feisty little dude, you don't get to do that. And so some of it was very passive, and they were just letting him, you know, bite one hand and and get this out of his system. And he was realizing that it's not going to work. And then other times they'd give him a physical correction to you know to say knock it off. You don't get to do that. But it was so it was so cool to to see that to show people what you were just saying, Carlos is to be in the moment and be decisive. So the yeah. the goal here was to train these people. Don't snap your hand back. Don't be so reactive as a human. You've got the gloves on. Just yep. be in the moment and show him this is not using your teeth on me is not working for you. You should try something else. And by the end of everyone's um, you know few minutes working with the dog, each person was able to pick him up and yep. he was a total pussycat then. And so it was really cool to to do that. Not everyone is is wired to be that confident and to just go for it, and that's why we use stuff like like gloves or right, for sure or, or other tools is to is to help people's confidence so they feel safe. Um, but it was so cool to see that. And this little dog, he was in the moment and he was decisive. He was like, "You're not going to do that to me." And boom, he'd put his teeth. He right. wasn't thinking about stuff. He wasn't hesitating. Yep. He wasn't you know worried about his insecurities or any of this human garbage that gets in yeah. our own way. Yeah, he was exactly. just in a dog. No, I just want to give it tons of tons of credit for doing that and setting it up because it takes a lot of trust for people yes. to go. Okay, we're going to follow this guy, but that tells me that 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 what you did, they believed in, and obviously the results speak for themselves. And I, and I think that uh, uh, someone 
someone who could could benefit for sure more from those few minutes of uh, of pushing through a situation like that than reading and yeah, uh, someone with PhD, uh, you know, acronyms and that sort of thing. I think this is way more valuable, and they're doing a lot more uh, 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 valuable teaching this way. And I think people can benefit a lot more. So yeah, if you get if you get a chance to meet with Brian and do these classes, do hands on, I think you'll you'll be better off for it in the long run. But I, I appreciate you uh, being able to to get these people on board and try an exercise like this, which I don't think you'll see anywhere else. So you know. No, I, and you know, it's one of those things where rats, I should have, I should have been filming this whole thing because it was great to see. And, yeah. and I was, I was breaking down, you know, since I don't know these people all that well, but I was, as much as I was comfortable doing it, I was breaking down each of these people saying, okay, this is why Alex was so good and so quick to get the results that she did because she has, she has more confidence the way she moves, the way she handled the dog. You can kind of feel she's got a little bit more of an edge than, than some of the other people there. And, you know, Jim was just very matter of fact about it and didn't give the dog anything to, to feed off of. And, 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 you know, being able to express this to the people and, and help them understand that yeah. they are part of the, of the human component here of working with a dog and evaluating dog and, you know, bring them some, um, some maybe previously unknown self-awareness to realize, oh, wow, okay, I didn't realize I was doing that or standing like that or moved like that or or breathing like that or or whatever. And then for those people who maybe don't come across as so confident, maybe just to be stubborn and to be patient. And that was one of the coolest things about this um, this one one young lady, Marina, is she doesn't come across as the as the most confident person, and I know she's listening to this, so you know you can you can give yeah. me a hard time about uh, about this later, Marina. Um, but she's stubborn and she's tenacious and she does not give in. So it was cool Good. to see her just work with this little guy, and she's quiet the whole time, and she's just showing him you're not going to win, so you may as well give it up. So it, it was it was so cool and so rewarding to to yeah, do that, sure. and I hope more people can can learn from this podcast that, you know, you got to work with dogs, get, find some good guidance out there, but the dogs are the best teachers in order to help you improve in, in your, your understanding and handling of dogs. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, this is one of our longer podcasts, if not the longest, but we appreciate you hanging in there. If you want to break it up in two parts, obviously, if you got to this end, you probably already broke it up or not, but, but all valuable stuff. Um, and for sure, Brian, uh, uh, I would say that this is very valuable and very, uh, insightful. So, yeah, this was this is a good topic, one that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. So I'm glad we we finally covered this. So everyone, thank you again for listening. Please uh, like us and subscribe to us on Facebook and and YouTube. It's Good Dog Workshop. Uh, feel free to you know comment or you can send us uh, your comments through text seven zero three four eight nine one three one nine. I'll get you straight to to my cell phone number or contact me via email at brian at gooddogworkshop dot com. Thank you once again for listening, and we will see you next time. Take care. <laughs>